Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with Alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. Thank you for listening to the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts, this is the Back Check with Brendan Azov and Stefan Rosner, your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azov and Stefan Rosner. Welcome, everybody, to Season 2, Episode 6 of the Back Check on Billy Up Sports. My name is Brendan. With me, as always, is Stefan Rosner. we got a lot to talk about today. A ton of news around the NHL, including potential suspensions that didn't happen. The new most play, uh, hated player, I should say, in the NHL is not even Brad Marchand anymore. Go figure. But before we dive into all that, Stefan, how you doing today, buddy? Doing all right. So for those wondering why I always sound congested, it's because I am. So I would like to announce to the world that I'll be having surgery to repair my deviated septum on December 23rd. So hopefully, well, I won't have an excuse after that for why I sound terrible at times or why you could hear my breathing. It's because I cannot breathe out my nose. It's been like that for 23 years. Finally, I have made the executive decision to allow myself to breathe and will be undergoing surgery. Brendan, I hope you send me flowers. I'll send and, you a nice uh, little Christmas gift, December 23rd, right smack in the middle of the holiday season. You're going to have a uh, – your New Year's Eve is going to be a little bit uh, distorted. I'm going to be able to breathe in the fresh air that comes with the Christmas and Hanukkah time, the New wow. Year. How I'll be able to – recovery? It's, it's not even a week. I If oh, I get okay. the surgery, I'm not supposed to do physical activity for like five days. They're not doing – my nose, whether you like it or you hate it, I like my nose the way it looks – but I just want it straight, and I don't want to be able to breathe. So top priority is breathing. That'll get fixed, and hopefully I'm better for it after that. It's wild that you're going to actually sound uh, normal. Human? Human-like? Like yeah, I, I'm not going to be close. speaking or doing one of my rants and just in the background hearing. <laughs> well, you, you hear Darth. I should do cosplay for Darth Vader. <laughs> you, you were basically the mask. Yeah, I was. I remember a shout out to Kobe Guy. Great interview with him a couple of weeks ago. But midway through the interview, he stops and he goes, "Is somebody snoring behind you? Like sleeping behind you?" <laughs> and in my head, I was like, oh, "You got to be kidding me!" I'm like, "Nah, man, that's just me. I got a deviated septum." He goes, "Oh, all right." And we continued on with the interview, obviously because I'm a master with 
cutting the stuff. I did not include that, but coming back to it, you know, might have been funny to include. But yeah, no, it's been a problem, definitely a problem. There's a reason why I write a lot more than I speak. But hopefully after that, we can do a nice, a nice common median between the two. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I was hoping too, you were going to go with the, uh, hoping you would go with the Angelina Jolie nose, but I guess I'll have to settle for just the, the same nose, different results. Just settle for the What if your less... voice changes completely? It's probably a good thing. Are we saying deeper or higher? I don't Well, that remains to be seen. It depends, I guess, how they fix it. Yeah, I don't really know the in and outs of, of the surgery. I know it's a safer surgery than what Jack Eichel's getting. I'll tell yeah. you that. Yeah. Or God, we should say God. It's God. done already. It's true, and he, he he said he went for a walk after that. Felt great. Yeah, like he hasn't to... been walking this whole time. Yeah, uh, he walked <laughs> his way out of Buffalo. I mean, he probably ran out of Buffalo. Usain Bolt sprinted out of there. Around the board segment is brought to you by Pure Hockey. What began as a small shop in Worcester, Massachusetts, is now the largest hockey retailer in the USA. And no matter how large their company becomes, their number one focus and passion is simply the sport of hockey. Get the highest quality uh, equipment you need for your hockey endeavors. So, Brendan, the first thing let's talk about is, you know, Sidney Crosby has been, uh, there's been words used to describe Sidney Crosby that his career being a little soft, you know, diving, doing all those wonderful things we don't want in the sport of hockey. Yet, on Sunday, they get spanked by the Caps 6-1. to one. Crosby is invisible during the game, except for one play. One play, he takes a Capitals defenseman. I'm not going to try yeah. to pronounce his last name. It starts with an F. Young oh, I'm going to give this a go. February. Martin Ferivari. Ferivari, okay. Throws him into the boards. Like Harambe picking up the kid. Chucks him <laughs> into the boards. And no call on the play. He will not receive any discipline. But you know for a fact, if that is anyone in this league besides Sidney Crosby... I don't know if they caught on the play because it was behind the play. I don't know if the refs are paying attention that much, but that's definitely getting a a, a talking to with George Paros. So, Brendan, I know you saw the hit by Crosby. What did you think initially on the play, and do you think that the league failed in this situation? Well, my first reaction was that's a little bit of a dirty play there. Right, the defenseman's not expecting that at all. The puck really wasn't even part of that play. He just kind of wrapped him up and threw him. And anytime you're throwing a player kind of defenseless like that, a couple of feet from the boards, you're putting them at risk of injury. So my first reaction was, it's dirty. My second reaction was, if this is Tom Wilson doing it or somebody along those lines, the whole entire Twittersphere would be in flames, right? Everybody would be calling for him to be gone for 10 games. But because it was Crosby, it kind of flew under the radar and he didn't even get disciplined for it. So I do think the league failed. Uh, I would be pissed if I was the Capitals. But if you're the Capitals, you got to turn around and say, oh, well, you know, maybe that's just karma catching up to us. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if it was on Tom Wilson, but I don't think Crosby could pick Tom Wilson up. No. I don't think he'd throw him like that. But you also look at, like, Crosby's a player that throughout his career has dealt with concussions. One after another. I mean, this could have been a case where not even a concussion to the Capitals defenseman. I mean, you throw someone head first into a board that's not expecting it, that's brain damage. That I mean, again, that's like what the worst that could happen, brain damage, career over. And yeah, we look at it as a simple play. But if you're not ready for that, you can't brace yourself. It's one thing when you're ready for a hit. I mean, you played ice hockey. I'm a goalie, so I don't really get hit often. <clears throat> Excuse me. But you've been hit. If you know what's coming, you can protect yourself. And then therefore, you probably don't get hurt as or get hurt to an extent. But if you get blindsided or you're not ready to get thrown... 
I mean, that's that's a huge play. I know Mark Mathot, who hates Crosby, yeah. <laughs> spoke out. It was like 10 games. It's a must. Well, they have some past experience. I think Crosby slashed him once in a game, whatever the case may be. But he's not wrong. He's not wrong. And when you, you're at a sport where you look to protect your stars, when stars take advantage of that protection, that's not good because then other teams are going to see that and they're going to go after them and they're going to do what they do and they're going to say, hey, you're suspending me for this. What about that? And the NHL is going to have to answer to that. George Paris have to answer to that. And he's been quite terrible at answering to Anything. reasons why he makes the sins he does. Yeah, the, the comparison argument with Department of Player Safety is just pointless. Right, I mean, you could have the same exact hit thrown by two different players, and somehow, some way, the fine or suspension would be different. And I really have no clue what the criteria is for them to make a decision. How they like for me, if I'm deciding something, my first instinct is to see what other people have done in the past in a similar situation and base it off of that. They have they just throw that out the window and they go each situation is brand new. That's what it feels like, at least to me. And when you look at what Crosby did, ten games would be steep. I don't oh, think he's yeah, had any type of yeah. past discipline. No. So 10 games is a lot, but suspension. Yeah. That definitely should be a minimum of a one f- to two games or fine. <laughs> something, uh, so, to something c- had to come. I mean, even a fine is too steep as we'll talk uh, too shallow of a penalty as we'll talk about in a little bit with slew yeah. but um, for Crosby, you, you can't do that. You got to be smarter. And I know he's frustrated. It's only his second game. He's had a tough go of it with injuries, COVID all that, but you, you can't be tossing people like that into a board. So that's not expecting it. And it's a cowardly move, right? Yeah. If you're, if I mean, you're, you're that down six one, challenge him head on. I'm not saying Crosby to fight people, but if you go up to him after a whistle and push him in the chest, right, and like you show your frustrations that way, where you're going at him, you don't have to fight. But you know the net front stuff that we see all the time. That's one way of taking your frustration out. That's not going to hurt somebody. Doing that mid play is just soft, and he skates right away to the bench after. Oh, because yeah, well, he's looking on, up to his—he's he's looking up to his nickname. But I, I do want to ask you one thing, and I know uh, your unbiased opinion, as always. You look at what Crosby did. You look back to what Wilson did against the Rangers. The whole incident. Which one actually is worse? The Wilson one, and I'll, well, I'll tell you why. It's because yeah. Panarin's helmet was off. That's the only thing I think of. But let's say Panarin's helmet's not off. I know Wilson put him to the ground, and then you know, while he was on the ice, but. But in the situation of what could be what could be a more dangerous player lead to a, a more serious injury? Again, let's say Panarin had his helmet on. Wh- which one do you think is worse? You still well, think Wilson? You you mentioned it already. Wilson's the bigger man, the stronger man. So anything that he does has more dangerous implications that come with it. Everyone automatically refers to the Panarin incident with Wilson, but it all started because he had a stick behind Buchnevich's head pushed down as a cross deck and then threw a punch to the back of his head. So that was dangerous in its own right. And then he goes and does what he does with Panarin after. In this case, Crosby's dangerous, but he's throwing him into the boards. The guy's got his helmet on. He's not suspecting of it, but Crosby also doesn't have the strength and power to really injure somebody, especially a defenseman who, based on the video that I'm seeing, I don't have his information in front of me. He didn't look like he was that undersized, right? So it looked like he was able to hold his own. So I believe he was fine. And I I think that ultimately the more dangerous play was Wilson. The helmet off is a big factor as to why, but the dirtier play probably was what Crosby just did because Wilson and Panarin was in a scrum already. Exactly. He, not that Panarin was prepared to be thrown to the rink like that, but again, like we just talked about bracing yourself and being ready for impact. It's a big thing. Well, while we're on this subject, Connor McDavid has been talking a lot about not getting calls. And as someone who covers the Islanders, 
Matt Barzell is someone who in the past, he's been a lot better this season, in the past, loves to, in the moment, turn to a ref and say, where's the call? What was that? Not only does he not get calls, now the refs watch him closer when he does something stupid or foolish, he gets penalized. So now you're looking at um, Connor McDavid, who, by the way, has 10 goals and 17 assists. That's 27 points in 14 games. So he's dominating. He's complaining about not getting calls. He might be the greatest player in the league. Does that hurt his chances now? Or do you think that the league wants to be like, you know what, superstar, doesn't have, usually get into any issues with teammates. He's well-respected. He doesn't really do much. Yeah, maybe we should get more calls. Or do you think it has just a negative effect where okay, the refs don't like getting called out? Uh, they don't. But at the same time, he's not really calling out any refs in particular. He, I think he did it in a more classy way than yeah. people have in the past. Um, he's not like on the ice showing anybody up, like complaining verbally. He's still playing through it, but he does. Uh, whenever somebody has the skill level of McDavid, which I don't think anybody ever has, uh, they're going to draw penalties. And that's just a question of how many, not if they will. Yeah. And I mean, he doesn't what... get many calls on him at all. There was a blatant trip. The other day that wasn't called behind the net right in front of the ref and those types of things have to be called and i i do think that players in the past like when gretzky and lemieux played their era era was different with penalties right they were they were allowed to get chopped there was a lot more that was allowed and they probably thought at times that they didn't get enough penalties called on that and now in a day and age where penalties are given out left and right for things that really aren't really that bad infraction wise mcdavid still is struggling to get calls so I think that refs kind of look at it like he's that much better than everybody else, so we're going to give other people a little more leeway to defend. But that's not the uh, the way to, to to call a game. If it's a trip, if it's a trip, hook's a hook. So he, he does earn a few more calls than he's getting. He did take a penalty. He took a cross-check penalty the other day. I forgot who he cross-checked a little high, but it was a frustration penalty, probably because he wasn't getting calls. But yep. moving on to a player that just, I mean, a P.K. Subban now P.K. Subban for just his inability to not commit egregious plays against... And the real reason is he's not doing it on purpose. It's the fact that the game is too fast for him. This is a guy that's never been a great defenseman who now just keeps getting caught flat-footed and the only thing he knows how to do to get it is to impede the player, whether it's interference. I mean, you look at his fines already. He got fined 15000 got fined 5000 he slew-footed um, Ryan Reeves during the preseason, correct? Yep. And now the latest, Semi Bly, out for the season after P.K. Subban. I don't know how egregious it was. You watched it live. You saw it happen. But another play that Subban makes that leads to an injury, and this one's a long-term one. Yep. Uh, he, watching it live, very hard to see. Watching the replay. And, and the fact that you have to go back and watch the replay – as soon as something happens with Subban in the corner is an indication just of the type of player he is, right? Uh, you you don't have to watch a replay for 95% of the league because you just assume it was accidental. And for Subban now, with his pedigree, you go, oh, there's, there's probably something there. And his skate is extended. It does clip Sammy Blaze before he's able to make his way into that corner. And because of it, he winds up toe-picking and his knee goes inward. And now we know the result is a torn ACL. So... It, I don't know if this one was as egregious a slew foot as the one on Lucic or Reeves was, but I do know that he, he his skate is the reason that Sammy Blay is now done for the year. And Sammy Blay, what was supposed to be a one-year deal for him to play his way into his next contract. And it's very tough to see for a 25-year-old. 
Was it a complete slew foot? Uh, it, this one is hard to tell because it does look like an accidental skate clip in the corner. But based on who it was, <laughs> I mean, we, we've seen that's that's where he does it, right? Going for pucks in the corner is where he's usually pretty good at it. And he usually sticks his leg out and goes the other way so that you fall backwards. This time he kind of clipped the blade and let him fall forward. So I'm going to say it was a 50-50 slew foot. But based on the player, you got to think that there was some type of intent there. Maybe not to slew foot him and trip him and hurt him, but to at least try to clip him a little bit so that he can come away with the puck. Another failure by George Powers here? He's, he's not going to get anything for this. No. Oh, do you think he should? Do I think he should? I think that when you do it three times if, between preseason and the first 15 games of the season, yeah, you probably should sit a game. He should have sat a game against Lucic because – <clears throat> that was the second one that he had done already, right? The Reeves one was pretty bad. That's preseason. I get the yeah. The Lucic one's in a game. Come on. You got that was a blatant, blatant slew foot. And when you're knocking down Milan Lucic, Lucic is not just going to fall down because of any type of contact. So, yeah, he should have gotten one then. He didn't. He got fined. He's probably not going to get anything here. But, uh, I mean, eventually, you say somebody's going to get hurt. Sammy Blay is that somebody that just got hurt. Well, Ryan Reeves was fortunate to be able to play this year at all. Ryan Reeves' leg was in a very compromising position, and he's he's lucky nothing tore or broke. And Sammy Blay wasn't as lucky. So it's it's not funny, but it it, it's interesting that the Rangers this offseason decided to add physical players, and Subban just decided that he was just going to take them all out. Yeah, I mean he has gone at the two. Is that a rampage? So everyone on on social media was looking at that and like, oh, this is why they got Reeves and all these guys to go fight him. But in the scenario, it's a 2-2 hockey game, I believe, at the time, or a 3-2 game where the Rangers were winning. If he doesn't fight, which we saw, he won't fight straight up, right? Kreider went after him as soon as he did that against Reeves in the preseason game, and then then he he waited for the next period to go attack Kreider off the draw because he wanted it on his terms. So he's not going to fight Ryan Reeves. No. He will not, and Ryan Reeves will get goaded into a penalty at that point. That could change the whole game. So I don't have a problem with how the Rangers handle it. They were finishing their checks on him, and I think the next time they play, somebody's going to go after him right off the bat. But there is a time and place for fighting. right? I, I am a big proponent of it. I think that physical play has a huge part in this game. But in a close hockey game like that, rather than take a penalty, the two points are the biggest way to say, you know, F you to him. And Kreider had the best response ever after scoring the game-winning shootout goal and then going yeah. right by their bench and doing the Subban celebration. That was that was a poetic poetic justice right there. There you go. I mean, yeah, it's just enough is enough. It's one thing if you do it once, but for this to be a third or the fourth time, and it doesn't mean it's going to stop. There's no nothing showcasing that Subban is just going to play better in his own zone and in the corners. He's going to continue to do this. And again, like I said, he's not doing it on purpose. It's because he doesn't know how to play positionally sound in those situations, that's all he's been able to do. I, I think he's doing it on purpose, too, because he's been doing it for a long time. I, I don't know who put out the compilation so, of all the slew foots. It's been happening. They, they, they go back to when he was a Norse finalist. So, I mean, we're talking about just an intent to injure throughout the course of his career. And but listen, you, off the you ice. Don't, you don't think, though, that it's due to his inability to play. Like if he was a very good defenseman in his own zone, he's not doing this stuff. He wouldn't need to. No, I, I think that there's some people, right? Like I was never the best skater. And whenever you're not the best skater, you look to get an edge, whether it's physical or you look yeah. to try to cheat the play a little bit. But there's a difference between cheating the play when you're not the best skater and trying to get in 
or being shoulder to shoulder with somebody in a 50-50 puck battle and resorting to a slew foot or resorting to something that can injure that opponent. Right? There if he can if he wasn't a good skater, he would try to do more interference where instead of just going skate to the back of your leg, he'd try to shoulder him a little bit, right? He's not a small guy, he's a strong dude. Yeah. So try to shoulder the guy off the puck instead. But he resorts to the more injury prone slew foot and to me that just shows the character of the player. And it's it's weird because off the ice, what he's done for, to grow the game, what he's done for the Montreal Children's Hospital, like all these things just show a great guy overall. And then he gets on the ice and it just turns into like, uh, I mean, he, realistically, he's worse than Brad Marchand. Marchand is, gets under your skin, but doesn't do anything like that. I can't remember the last time he did something that dangerous or illegal. No, he's just a pest, and you hate to, you hate him if he's on your uh, if you're playing against him, but you love him when he's on your team. I just don't understand like. Subban has so much respect for the off-ice work he does. I know you're about to mention that. Like he's just yep. a great guy off the ice and the the foundations, everything he does, fantastic. But I mean, there's got to be a lack of respect for Subban from around the NHL. I mean, obviously his teammates are gonna have his back, but you know we don't know how good that room is. Especially this is a Devils team that's looking to take strides this season, and they they have. They've looked a lot better. They need Subban to clean up his act because, one, if he starts to take penalties, it's going to impact them. If he gets suspended, it's going to impact them. And mistakes in the game. I mean, like, the Devils aren't a team that can rely on one guy carrying them. Jack Keyes is out. The team's really come together and played well. You need you need your players to produce. I know Subban's overpaid for what he does. But clean up your act because it's just not, it's not a good look for the Devils in general. And it's not attention that the Devils want right now when they're trying to get out of a couple of really tough seasons. Yeah, it's not. And the fact that they went out and they've been playing well to start the season yeah, too. They they're they're a pesky team. So you the attention has gone from like what Mer- Mercer's doing right now and replace the Jack Hughes and, and yeah. what these young kids are doing overall to Johnson and and their goaltending's been good and, and like all these things have been going well, but all the attention around them is around Subban because he's very controversial and you don't want that, right? I mean so at the same time, it could benefit the young kids because we're seeing how pressure can impact them in New York with the Rangers. But you'd rather the talk be about the positives than, oh, here's another PK soup. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. Van Slewfoot. All right, Brendan. Now it is time for the segment that I like to call headache segment, otherwise known as <laughs> Island Time. Now, Island Time is brought to you by Yeats. Yeats is an affordable sunglasses company that looks to help create change using a percentage of their profits to help clean beaches around the world. No matter your style, Yeats shades are here to help you chase your vision. Use code BACKCHECK at checkout. And, Brendan, 
The Islander game tonight might read 6-1. They go down 4-0 after one period of play. In the the worst defensive effort I have seen from this Islanders team, probably since like the early 2000s when they were just disgustingly terrible. Like disgustingly terrible. It was awful. Turnovers here, turnovers there. Sorokin really didn't have a shot. I think two of them were backdoor. The last one goes off his uh, side of his face and in. Sharp angle shot. That can't go in. Varlamov comes in in the second period. The Islanders look better. Still go up some goals, but they look better. And then in the third period, they look fine. They look like themselves. So I guess you want to take the positives. They go they go 5-6-2 and two on this 13-game road trip. They end on a strong note in that third period. Definitely we've talked about it. I mean, they were games that they shot themselves in the foot, gave away points. But they did go on a seven-game point streak. They did get points. The problem is just this Metro division started off so hot. Now, of course, when they start playing teams outside the division or in division, the records are all, they'll balance out. The Islanders won't be, I don't think, in the basement for long. Once the Islanders hopefully get on a roll when they get home. But, again, you got to take the positives in games like this because they started off as poor as you possibly can be, but they, they did turn around as the game went on. And definitely, I would say, something to build off of. But they do have some concerns. Yeah, we got to pat ourselves on the back a little bit because when we were talking prior to the season about this potential 13-game road trip, what it held in store for the Islanders, uh, we both kind of agreed 15 points would have made it a successful one. They finished just shy of that with 12. They had the chance to get to that 15-point mark, which we would have looked like absolute geniuses if they did. But we also talked about how they had to play consistent and just hold on enough to get home and be able to turn it into the Islanders team of old. And you also mentioned, and I'll give you credit for this, that the point streak can come early. And they did actually have a point streak on that seven. road trip. So all their points came on that seven-game uh, point streak. So it, it was awesome to see uh, kind of what we talked about happen. But it's not the ideal start to the season. Going on a 13-game game, uh, game road trip is never ideal. Uh, it's never been done before. But now you go to what we know is going to be just an absolute bananas atmosphere Saturday, and you have the ability to, like you said, beat some teams in your division. You have the ability to take home ice advantage back, and I have no no question that the Islanders are going to be climbing back up those standings in the near future. And I know I'm saying like you know half glass full, but it's not a given. The Islander, it's not NASCAR CM ice. Now we know the crowd is going to be involved, but. If the Islanders play the sloppy way they've played on this road trip, the home games aren't going to matter. They're still going to get shelled. But the good thing is, like like you said, the atmosphere on Saturday should allow the Islanders to play and build off the crowd. And when the crowd's like that, where it's going to be just unreal, and the next day they play Toronto and Tavares comes to town, the crowd's going to be unreal. You're thinking about four points in your first two home games, and that's a need. I mean... You come home and you lose the home opener, that's that's just a negative mark for a team that's, again, coming off a rough road trip. But, again, back to the road trip, they treaded water. I mean, they, they you look at what they had to go through. And now people are saying, well, is this actually a road trip because they went home, they had vacation time. They, it's a road trip. It's a very different road trip. And I think that being home, having a, a schedule that's more balanced, where you're playing on a, on a regular basis – I do think it plays a part, and I think that the Islanders are a group that looked lost. A lot of times looked lost, and there was line shuffling. Ryan Pulak didn't play tonight because he took a shot last night. Josh Bailey's in COVID protocol. So there are things there are things that are that went wrong. But like we said, they figured out a way how to tread water. Should have had more points, but we, we kind of nailed it on how many points they got. And now you just have to 
look forward. You can't look back. You can't harp on what happened. It's, it's too late. It's too late. You have to look forward. The seven-point streak was great. Now let's start winning games at home. And, uh, I mean, biggest game of the season so far is Calgary, facing Calgary on Saturday night. And I did get a sneak peek of tonight was there was a practice at UBS Arena where um, workers pretended to be fans and they played stuff on the scoreboard to make sure the game's all set up. Got a little sneak peek. It looks outstanding, amazing. And obviously, if you're going to the game, congrats because that's going to be an awesome night. And if you're not going to the game, hopefully you get to see some of the cool stuff on TV. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you mentioned their opponents, Calgary. So when we were looking at the schedule in the beginning of the season, you thought that that might be a game that you could X on the calendar as the time that the Islanders kicking into gear. But based on the early part of the season, that's no slouch either in an opponent. So they have their work cut out for them. Calgary's not going to hand them the home opener. But you, you do got to think that coming off two tough losses, a back-to-back in Florida, you come off this grueling road trip, you have a couple of days to regroup, you know that this is a veteran group, they're going to look at each other and say, hey, you know what we have to do and, and take care of business on home ice right now. So I, I will be riding the Islanders on Saturday, even if it's going to be a tough game. But, I mean, when I went to that playoff game with you, yeah. right i had no stake in that right i don't want the islanders to win i don't want the penguins to win so i was just there to watch some good playoff hockey and that atmosphere was nuts and i know it's not the coliseum but there's going to be more people in that building now and it's the first time that the majority of islanders fans are going to have the ability to go to a game this season so i i expect to go deaf watching it through my tv i mean we were at a fun playoff game you should have been at the yep. pavilion game i mean that was, oh, that would have been nuts that was just <laughs> I'm just watching the play. I'm like, he's he's gonna score, and it was the roof legit came down, and so did beer cans. And you know it's wild. But going back to the game the Islanders just played, again you got to take the good because if you take the bad, what what's the point? I know Trotz is gonna go over it with the team. They'll break down what went wrong in that first period, all that. But the Islanders never really gave up. They easily could have. This could have been an eight to one game or an eight nothing game like we saw against Tampa. Like, it could have been a game like that. And they decided, you know what? We're down four. We got minutes left in this game. Let's not roll over. And they didn't. They got better and better as the game went on. They also stood up for their teammates. Brock Nelson gets absolutely drilled by Gudis. Clean hit. It was a big hit. Not only does Palmieri step up for Nelson, Matt Martin later steps up for Nelson. Char all night was stepping up for his teammates in front, especially after Varlamov got run into a little bit. So you just look at this group, and they win together, they lose together, but this group is so tight. I mean, back-to-back Stanley Cup uh, semifinal trips, that'll do that to a club. I mean, you're building that. This is a family, and, and I want to throw it back to, you know, this is not a new thing under trots. Matt Molson was on Spin and Chicklets podcast talking about this, and um, Michael Grabner sat down with Johnny Lazarus, who we had on the show to talk. Matt Molson, when he got traded, was so upset because even though the Islanders had struggled, that group was just so tight that he didn't want to leave the island. Michael Grabner added on, like, he still talks to people in the Islanders organization and follows his teammates because of that, how close the group was. So, yeah, Trotch and Lamarillo has built, helped build this identity for this team. But being an Islander and the team, like, I feel like it's most teams probably can say the same thing. You're, you're family. You're, 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 you're just always want to do what you can to help one another. And the Islanders showed it tonight. Again, like I said, could have given up after the first period. And that was it. But they made positives out of this game. And I do think it's very important, even with off days before the game Saturday, to go back, look at what they did right, and move on. Because you have guys that come into the lineup that probably don't play often. Ajo, struggled in the first period in his own zone. Not a guy that usually 
plays well in his own zone. He's more of a forward. He's an offensive defenseman, but he's legit a forward because he's just lackluster. He looked much better as the game went on. He has to be more consistent. But when a guy like Nick Letty goes down, the Islanders don't have a puck-moving defenseman. And Aho comes in there, and he's making outlet passes, and he's skating the puck up. He almost scored a wraparound. I mean, you're seeing the qualities that the Islanders are missing on the back end. Now, we don't know how long Pulak's going to be out. I'm going to say right now, it's they were just being cautious. Why risk it after blocking a shot when you have days off? Because Pulak yeah. plays a big role. But, I mean, like I said, Aho comes in. Bellows was physical. Back-to-back games, he's played in. He looked good. Wallstrom looked better. I thought the fourth line was really, really struggled for the Islanders tonight. Clutterbuck, one of his worst games of the season. But, again, no, not everyone was going to be perfect. You look at the score. Things went wrong. Like, Char still is too slow in his own zone, but he's made some better plays. Again, just it's hard to take the negatives because if you look back, you make this whole road trip negative. We talked about, I mean, you look back to the Columbus game, the Islanders lose that one in overtime. That's a game you got to win. We were watching that at a friend's house. Like games like that, but I just, I don't know. It's a tough thing because someone did ask me, Brendan, we'll get to this in a little bit later, that if you had to choose Islanders, Islanders, Rangers, one game to get into the postseason, nothing, everyone's healthy, whatever. They have one game to play, who you take. And then someone also asked me, Right now, if you had to pick, only one New York team can make it. Uh, don't, don't even worry about Buffalo. That's not happening. <laughs> Islanders or Rangers, what would you do? And we'll talk about it after you get to your, your Rangers points. But, you know, you have to be, as an Islander fan right now, you have to be excited regardless of the record and where they are in the Metro because they're in the basement. But like I said, there's only one way up from the basement unless they lock the door to the basement. Then, then yeah, if you don't have a key, you don't have a way to get out, you're, you're kind of you're kind of screwed. But you're coming home and – this is the Islanders team that dominated at home. They were bad on the road last year. They were terrible on the road last year. And again, I know, they didn't play the same teams they're playing now. But you look at the teams they played on this road trip, they weren't bad teams. They, they were good teams, and I know. Islanders have playoff aspirations. They have Stanley Cup aspirations. Great teams have to beat good teams. And the Islanders were not a great team on this road trip. Look at Sorokin. I mean, Sorokin's the only reason the Islanders aren't Islanders won games. I mean, that's pretty much it. Varlamov played in a couple of games and lost both. Tonight, Sorokin wasn't at his best. He didn't make unreal saves. High danger chances went in and a soft one to end his night. But, I mean, you have to build up. Sorokin had a great start. And I I spoke about it earlier, and this will be the last point I make on the Islanders. We can move on. Is that Varlamov's going to have his role this year. Sorokin's already showed that he can handle workload. But Sorokin is is a goaltender that could bail your team out. I know, I think he had a, over, before tonight, it obviously went down, over seven goals saved above average. Varlamov and his two starts had a negative something. And right now, while the Islanders try to figure out their defensive struggles, they need a goalie that's going to bail them out. That has the ability to bail them out, excuse me. I don't see that from Varlamov. Like I said, he's a very, a goalie based on structure, positioning. He never makes those sprung save because usually if he's on his game, he relies on his defense to help him clear rebounds. But he's also you know, out aggressive, catching pucks, controlling rebounds, doing what he can. But Sorokin has this ability that Varlamov just doesn't have, that many goalies in the NHL just don't have. This ability to just make saves that are probably going in, stops easily, easily getting from post to post, making those saves. And until the Islanders could shore up their defense and play to the way, way we've seen them play the last couple of years, I think you have to ride Sorokin because he gives you the best chance to win. And now that you're in the basement and you have to work your way up, you need the goalie in there that's going to give you the best chance. And unfortunately for Varlamov, I know he hasn't had a huge sample size and it's been a struggle. He, he looked good here and there. It's got to be Sorokin's crease. Uh, I would agree. And you you kind of gave your answer away a little bit, but I was going to ask, 
you have this home opener coming up. You have a couple of days off. Sorokin's been your guy the whole road trip pretty much because obviously Varlamov was out. But Varlamov was the guy over the course of the last two years. He was the main number one. He was the guy that was playing in those big games in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So for the home opener, are you going right back to Sorokin or are you giving that home opener start to Varlamov? I think, you, well, first of all, you have a back-to-back because they play Sunday. So you have to keep that in mind as well against Toronto, which is a high-octane offense when they're on their game. But I think you have to go to Sorokin. Not even for the – it's for Sorokin. He was hung out to dry tonight uh, on Tuesday. And, yeah, that last one's on him. But besides that, he had no chance in heck. Confidence-wise, you have to put him out there, especially with what he's done in this road trip. If, if Sorokin struggled this road trip – and a night like this happened, then I'm saying you go to Varlamov because Varlamov has only played two games and you have to give him a chance. But I think Sorokin deserves the chance to start at home. But then you look at, you want to, you know, you want to save the better goal maybe for Sunday against a better offense, but Calgary has been good. But I think, I think you have to go to, with Sorokin on, on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. And they both got some action tonight. So it's not like Sorokin was in there battling through all six and, I feel like based on what I saw, I, I would agree. I think that Varlamov gets the start, right? I, I almost would rather... No, not him. Varlamov. No, no, I, I'm, I almost rather Varlamov get the start against Toronto. Is, oh, yes. Is what I was going to yes. say, because that he's the veteran guy, and he might be able to use that as motivation, not getting the home opener start, but getting the start against what might be a better offensive team. So it, it might work well, especially if Sorokin has a great game on Saturday and then you go to Varlamov and he has a great game Sunday. I mean, we've seen it over the course of the last three-plus seasons with them. Once their tandem gets hot, they become so hard to beat. It's so I, I know it's true for any team once a goalie gets hot, but the Islanders, with the way that they usually play structured defense, once their goaltending gets hot, at you, you're talking about they could win one nothing games left and right. That's how well, good that's, their tandem. That's could be. the thing. The problem is though is we've seen it with Sorokin this year already. He can only do so much. Both goalies can only do so much. If the defense remains a major struggle, the Islanders aren't going anywhere. That's it's clear as day. Again, you, your goalie can make those big saves, but if the offense doesn't come alive, I mean, you scored one goal tonight. You scored one goal last night. You're not scoring. I mean, good for Palmieri. He finally scored tonight on a nice goal. I forgot to announce earlier, too, Josh Billy didn't play. Um, COVID-19, he has tested positive. No symptoms, but will remain in Florida and get evaluated a bit more. But he's not heading home. Don't if I mean, if he is positive, he's not playing Saturday or Sunday. So he's out for a little bit. Not to say it is a blessing for the Islanders at all, but it might be a blessing in disguise for Bailey if he's asymptomatic because... He's been off to a horrendous start and the time off to just focus, mentally focus, mentally take a break because he's been flat out terrible. Again, I'm not saying at all that this is a good thing for the Islanders or for him that he has COVID, but he he was struggling mightily. And I think a mental break from the game for a little bit might do him wonders and also allows the Islanders to see what else they have in their depth. You know, Bellows is playing back-to-back nights. I guarantee you probably be in there again on Saturday and Sunday until Bailey comes back. So it's a good chance to see what he has, give him some time to play. Because, I mean, maybe Bailey was struggling because he had COVID. Maybe they were, maybe it was like the starting, I don't know. There's, I mean, he just looked awful. So maybe this time off is a good thing for him. But again, we're wishing him nothing but the best and hopefully a speedy recovery. Yeah, you just hope that's not something that we see like in Ottawa or Pittsburgh where 
all of a sudden you get a couple of them because that would put a huge damper on Saturday. Oh, my God. What a weekend that would be. That would be terrible because if, if there's an outbreak, which I, last year last year Bailey was out because of a possible COVID-19. Apparently a kid at his school had it. At his son's school, excuse me, had it. So he had to discord you to make sure. But you're right. I mean, if Bailey has it, he's with everybody else. It's safe to say that this might not be the end of it, but we just got we just got to pray that that's that's not the case. Correct. And I mean, when you look at Pittsburgh right now, Mike Sullivan uh, had COVID protocol things, and he wasn't coaching. Comes back for a game, and then winds up missing another game now because he had a re-enter. So it's not a you know straight factual science that they're using when it comes to these COVID protocols. You could enter re-enter all these things so you hope that it doesn't wind up being something where they contact trace throughout the team and you have a couple of players missing but i i I am stoked i'm not people know i'm not rooting for the islanders in any way shape or form but i am stoked to see what saturday looks like there yeah yeah i can't wait but let's let's move on to your rangers but i know it got a little exciting at the end there oh it definitely did so I mean, I'm sure that this title holds true around MSG tonight after that game, but $20 Beers is brought to you by Kong Beer Bong. The Kong Beer Bong is made with Eva Foam, chilling your drink longer so you can party harder. Their team created the first Beer Bong can cooler to help you bring the good times anywhere. So the New York Rangers are now 10-3-3 on the new new season. And I can say when I was talking earlier, I did not think that 10-3-3 would be their record through 16 games, but here we are. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Capitals have yet to play tonight, but as of right now, I know they've played more games. They are the number one team in the Metropolitan Division. I doubt that holds true at the end of tonight, but we will see. It's definitely been a great start. They're putting a little bit of distance between some other teams and themselves, which can only help them because I do not expect the Rangers to be shrieking throughout the course of the season. When they're your team this young, you're going to hit a lull uh, eventually, and that lull definitely is a lot easier to get through if you have a eight or 10 point gap between you and some other teams, not necessarily in your division, but the other division as well, because it's starting to give the feeling that we're going to have five Metro teams in the playoffs and three from the Atlantic. That's just what I think early on. Um, But absolute bonkers game. The Rangers dominated the first 20 against Montreal. Montreal came out in the second period a lot harder. Rangers kind of, Went back and forth with them. Third period was the same way. Brendan Gallagher, absolute joke of a just completely glove on sucker punches. Barkley Goodrow off a face off of 27 seconds left. And Good. then Josh Anderson does a similar thing in the corner. So uh, it's just clown stuff. They're going at it on the draw. I know you didn't watch it. They're chirping on the draw. They battle once the puck's dropped. They both go down. And Goudreau is getting up. And as he's getting up, Gallagher turns around with his glove on and just punches him. Uh, come on. Challenge him to a fight if you want to fight him. Did he get him. ejected? They gave him a 2 and 10. There was 27 seconds left. Listen, I don't like Goudreau for his past actions against the Islanders, but nobody deserves to get sucker punched in the face. But to go back to what you said about the hot start for the Rangers, you say 10-3-3? Three, and three? Yep. Their depth was tested. And this is a depth that the, Island, uh, the Rangers excuse me, needed to see this year. And while it wasn't offensive depth, I mean, of course, yeah, you need to get offense, but... You know, you got guys, Reeves went down early in preseason and, you know, made his way back. But Sammy Bly's out. You want to see guys go into the lineup, step up and find ways. It doesn't matter if you're scoring, making a big play, block, getting a puck deep. You need guys to come into the lineup and step up because I think that's something the Rangers were missing. When their stars weren't playing well, 
they were falling apart. Earlier this season, that was the case. Yep. Like Panarin struggled mightily, but you're seeing now this is a much more well-rounded group than they've had in the past. And they're also, you know, Gallant coaching-wise, I think helps out a lot compared to what Quinn was doing. I think it's just a sense of confidence in their game, their ability, a new identity, getting great goaltending. So this is a much better Rangers team. And, and like I, you know, I said too, whatever you want to think about the Rangers, I mean, this is a team that, that should be in the playoffs. There, there's no reason they shouldn't be. And again, you wait for that offense to come alive, but you're seeing the Rangers win these close games that they didn't do last year. And that speaks volumes to not even just the team. It's, just being able to realize the situation and do more than they were doing, the little things, Trotz-esque stuff. The Islanders aren't doing, by the way, this year. The Rangers are doing it, and the Rangers are getting those points. And we talk about points early in the year, how much, how important they are because at the end of the year with injuries, whatever, it's a lot harder. The Rangers are doing exactly what they have to do to find ways to get points. It has not been pretty. It's not a 10-3-3 and and start where it's all rainbows and butterflies. It's been a grind, but it's a 10-3-3 and and start, and that's all that matters. Correct, and you mentioned the fourth line, and it does reminisce a little bit when I watch them play of the Islanders' fourth line. The Islanders' fourth line is much more skilled, and they gel a lot more. They've been together significantly longer, but the impact that they have where they pin opposing teams in their own end, they cycle, they grind on you. The Rangers' fourth line has done that. Reeves does not pass up a chance to check. Dryden Hunt's been a pleasant surprise on the four check, and Kevin Rooney has been significantly better than I think anybody thought he was when he came from the Devils over to the Rangers. So they've done a, a really good job, and when they're out there, you don't worry that they're going to be pinned in their own end. You're watching them cycle and grind on other teams in the offensive zone. And when you talk about the Sammy Blay injury, as unfortunate as it is, because Blay was another guy that was just finishing every single check, it's opened the door for Julian Godier to come in and the last four games that he's played have just been noticeable. He finally gets a first goal tonight where I think a lot of people are going to remember it strips Suzuki of the puck in front of the own in front of the Canadians goal goes forehand back in real quick and shelves it. And finally, like he, he celebrated on his knees, fist pumping, looking up to the sky <laughs> because he was like, finally, I got a goal here, but he's been really noticeable. Edel's healthy. He had a crossbar tonight too. Kako scored again. Lafreniere had a couple of good chances and those kids if they could start to I'm not talking about start putting up 75 points a year right now but if they can start finding consistency offensively where they're creating chances all that does is create more room for the Zibanejads, Criders, Stroms and Panarins and Panarin had a point right on the Kako goal Zibanejad had a great pass Kreider had a 12 his 12th Fox. goal of the season Fox is doing Fox things there's so many weapons and I know that people are looking at me and the people are like, oh, but they're XGF. XGF doesn't win games, okay? Goals four wins games. Actual goals, tangible goals win hockey games. And their underlying numbers might not be good right now. But if they're gelling to a new system, gelling to a new team, and are going 10-3-3 and and have points in 13 of their first 16 games in the season, imagine what they're going to do when they actually are playing much better hockey and they're, they're actually to, gelled. They're going to flat out dominate this league. And we've been talking about this. We've been waiting waiting and waiting we're like all right the rangers offense came alive their defense struggled their defense is amazing the offense is struggling when these pieces come together back by sisterkin in there this is a top tier elite hockey team that should be in the postseason for years to come finishing atop the metro there's this no reason not to but the problem is consistency correct but like you said the more these young guys like you said oh like i said like you said whatever everybody said we just said that the start, 10-3-3, three, three, it wasn't pretty, but 
they got their, you know, they figured stuff out as it went along and got better. And now they're, again, they're looking to move on and get even better. And it, it's scary how good they could be because they are so young. I'm looking at the Devils, too. They're the next team. Once the Devils figure it out, they have the goaltending in Blackwood, it seems like. He's going to be that number one. They're, I mean, this guy Mercer is so fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Him alongside Hughes. You have, I mean, just the group they're building is going to be another sick team for a while because they're so young. This league is getting younger, stronger, faster. And the Islanders, you know, their window is not as open as the Rangers and the Devils because of their age. I think they have the highest average age in the NHL. You know, there's outliers there. Yeah. Chara <laughs> and Green. So I don't want to take too much consideration into that. But you look at the Rangers and you look at the Devils, Just the, they're so young. And the quicker they figure it out, the longer their window to win is going to be. And like Kreider, Kreider is probably the biggest question mark coming in because you don't trade him. You give him a huge contract. Is he going to be the captain or not? And he's depositing pucks into the back of the net. He's leading by example. And in a season, like let's say Kreider started off terribly. You have so many question marks, so much other stuff surrounding a team rather than their record, whatever. Kreider has been excellent. And now you look at, I mean, not that you could ever look at a contract and say it paid off until it's over. But to start off this season, they needed Kreider to be Kreider. And he's been himself, and it's trickled down. And it's helped relieve pressure off stars like Panarin, who probably, if Kreider's not going well, him and Zibanejad would have to carry this team. But they don't have to because they're you're getting secondary scoring. You're getting scoring from guys that you're paying to score. Look at the Islanders. I mean, I sent out a tweet today because Trot said that players that they're getting... Players that are being paid to, to produce aren't producing. So I listed all the players, or the top whatever players their annual value, and how much they've scored this season. And it's a joke. It's a joke because your, your top guys you're paying aren't producing. And you look at the Rangers, I mean, you're paying Kreider a good amount of money, but he's scoring, so the money's worth it. I mean, you look at guys that you're paying, as long as they produce, you're good. But once the money is involved and they're not living up to those contracts, sometimes contracts are a problem for players. They get that big contract. We've seen it in sports all the time. They get that big contract. They don't try as hard or they don't produce as hard. It's like, we just paid you. Because you're paying somebody based on what they've done and hoping that they continue to do that. And when you pay a guy like, I don't want to throw him under the bus, but when you give him a 7x7 seven seven after a really good year, I mean, there was no, he's not he's not ever probably going to score 30, 35 goals a game, uh, 40 goals ever in a season. He's never going to get to that number. It's just not going to happen. But you're paying him to produce. And he's got four goals through 13 games. I mean, that's not going to cut it when you're paying a guy that much money. So good on Kreider and good on this Rangers team to start off the way they did, build on it, and I mean now it's now you just gotta continue, you just gotta be consistent with it. They'll have games where they look terrible, they'll have games that look amazing, but as long as they beat the teams below them and they put up fights and get points against those top tier teams, they'll be just fine on their way to making the playoffs. And I don't think it's gonna be a question of getting it by a point or two. I think they'll they they have a chance to flat out sail into the post yeah. if. They play this way. Now, Shesterkin's going to have to stay red hot because Georgiev Swiss cheese. And you'll see that that'll be the biggest thing. And the games that Shesterkin doesn't play, how does Georgiev play? Because it's a long 82-game season. And like you said earlier, the Islanders are able to barely get into the postseason the last couple of years because they had stable goaltending that came up with big saves at big times. And in the postseason, that carried them all the way to the semifinals. And they lose one nothing in a game seven. And that's not on goaltending. So if the island, if the Rangers can get adequate goaltending, not even per- great, they just get solid goaltending from Georgiev. Where's the weakness? 
There really isn't one. Correct. And I mean, last year it was exposed. Their weakness was their physicality. Um, right now, I mean, tonight was a perfect example. Ryan Reeves got challenged to a fight. Don't know why that would happen, but just absolutely body bagged the guy. Uh, the thing happened with Gallagher, and you had five Rangers going after Gallagher. You had an incident in the corner after the final buzzer where Anderson tried to go back at Truba, and Truba wound up dropping the gloves and going back at him. And it's just a nature change within the organization that they're not going to get pushed around. And although, you know, fighting and hitting all that stuff doesn't eventually win hockey games, it it does bode well for your other players, as we talked about, when they feel protected. And the guys that they brought in to protect the younger kids have not been taking stupid penalties. I know that that was a knock on Reeves throughout. That was a knock on, you know, Goudreau sometimes. You mentioned and alluded to his incident with the Islanders. But none of them have taken dumb penalties. And that could change. I'm going to knock on wood right now. But right now they're playing within the whistle. When they get challenged, they're answering the bell. And they're playing clean, hard hockey. And that is so difficult for opponents to, to play against. And when you skill guys start to be skilled guys, Panarin stepped it up again. He's now got like 12 points in his last seven games. Uh, th- they're going to be a solid team. And it's not going to be pretty. Most nights it's not going to be pretty. But Doesn't as long as they keep get getting the, the job done. That, that's, it does not matter how you get the two points, as long as you get the two points. And we're on two different sides of the spectrum right now, Brendan. I mean, your Rangers are cruising. The Islanders have now dropped four in a row. It, it's tough, but you have to think the Islanders will settle down. The season's not over yet. Everyone's got to stop complaining. That, if the Islanders struggle on their first five or six home games, then start worrying. But the fact they haven't played a home game yet, let them... Let them show you that they're done. Don't make an excuse and and say, oh, the scene's over. They played bad. They were dealt a horrendous hand. Like, horrendous. And obviously, UBS Arena wasn't ready. If UBS Arena is ready, there's no extended road trip. It was a tough hand. They didn't lose every game. They got points in seven games. Uh, You know, you just got to not... You're Islander fans. You overreact all the time. I wouldn't be going nuts yet until they show you that they're done once they show you they 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 can't play defense and that after let's say i don't know 20 or so games that this is not going to be a team that goes back to the playoffs you know maybe the window was just open because of the rules with COVID 19 it's just too early start worrying when it's time to worry you got 70 what 79 games left that was oh my lord sorry 69 (laughs) sorry the best number in the world, and you just botched it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. 69 <laughs> games left. But that's what I'm saying, right? Last year, there was only 43 games left at this time. You don't but have 43. So, like, you can, you can have a tougher start than last season. And they but didn't, the Islanders, like, yeah. The Islanders, I, again, there were aspirations to finish top two in the division. There was, everyone was saying, okay, Carolina finishes top. The door's not closed. That, the door's not even closed. But look at the back-to-back last regular seasons. The Islanders are not a consistent hockey team during the regular season. They get in, and they do damage in the postseason. They have certain players that only step it up in the postseason, like Josh Beatty. Like, a tough start to the regular season, and a, an all-right, subpar regular season could still have them in. I know this Metro division's tight, but these teams are not keeping it up. I'm sorry. It'll separate. This pack will separate. There's, there's just no way. And if it does, and the Islanders still fall on their bottom of the Metro, and all those teams stepped it up this season, bravo to them. I just can't see that happening. I think the Islanders will find a way to sneak in like they always do that they've done over the last couple of years. But it's going to start with 
finding their game because Trotz, you know, of course Trotz is worried that they're not collecting points. He's more worried that they're not paying attention to detail because that's how the Islanders win. They're built to play close attention to detail in their own zone and create chances from their defense into offense. And they need guys to start converting. But it's yep. a long, lo- there's a long road ahead. And I just, just, I guess I don't see a point in worrying now until they give you a very big reason to. And I get it. They've struggled and it's tough, but let them work it out. And if they don't work it out, then start crying. Yeah, and the Islanders, we mentioned their next opponent is the home opener against the Calgary Flames. The Rangers play Thursday night against the Toronto Maple Leafs, which to me is the biggest test of the season thus far. Toronto's playing much better. They're going back on the road. If they can somehow hold on, win that game, get a point, that will show that they they mean actual business this year, especially not having a letdown after a big action pack game against Montreal. So let's go now. I know you had a couple of questions that you wanted to address. Right now, and I, this might be easy for some people to answer right off the bat. Obviously, I look at it more philosophically because I just like to overthink and whatever and a- analyze. But Islanders and Rangers, first question. Islanders and Rangers, one game. Only one of them can make the playoffs. You're in one game. Who are you taking? I'll throw to you first. Unbiased, obviously, is course, of course on the back check because everything's unbiased here. So this is against each other, one game to get in. Against each other, everyone's healthy. Let's say the the teams are playing the way they are accustomed to playing because, again, it's very hard yeah. to judge this Islanders team right now. Correct. I agree. Uh, I, I will take the Islanders. Okay. so I, they're, my, they're too veteran. They've been, done it too many times. I will say that, and I'll say when the Islanders are on their game playing defense, they're practically unbeatable. Like, when they're on their game playing, and obviously everything has to work out perfectly, but... They just don't allow chances, and and again though, credit to the Rangers. It wouldn't if you asked me this question a couple of years ago. I'd give you the Islanders, and I'd say the game wouldn't be close because the the Rangers wouldn't be able to score, and their defense was shaking. The Islanders usually capitalize on their scoring chances, but now the Rangers have closed that gap because their defense has been so much better. I think if they played when both teams are on their game, two one, three two Islanders win, maybe four it's two, gonna be a, or one even of those overtime classics. game. One of those classics, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they play on the 24th, so the first meeting of the year is coming up, and I think that's going to be a true test to see where the Rangers are at and where the Islanders are going to progress to. I mean, that could be a game the Islander, that, that does wonders for yep. yeah, anyone. And the last question was, right now, which, again, very tough, right now only one New York team can make it, Islanders or Rangers, who's making it? This might be a little easier, but again, it's such a tough question to answer now. Obviously, that's the whole uh, point of the question. We're, we're guessing. I can't answer that. No, I'm going to honestly If pass. you're talking about right now, you're talking about a season where there's so many games left. I expect the Islanders to get better, but I don't expect the Rangers to get so much worse that they're not in it. I, I We said it before the year. I think both make it. Oh, uh, yeah. And I, I would mean, love it to be a 2-3. Yeah, I can't mentally handle that right now, but God, yeah, I can might be able to. I might be able to handle that in April. End of April, that'd be fun. Uh, yeah, that's such a tough question to answer. Right now, I'll say you'd much, have man. you'd have to you got to go with the Rangers. They play better hockey, but, yeah, but again, that, you, you you don't you well, don't. If the Islanders <laughs> played, if the Islanders were on the oh, let's start with this. If the Islanders were on the road and hadn't played a home game yet, and they're playing the Rangers. And they're working their way back from home, and they're playing the crap that they're the way they play now. They're gonna get lit up by the Rangers. That's again, we're, that's but what they, happened right now. See, it's a it's a weird question because there's so many factors that go into this, right? We already saw the injury factor 
right? Sammy Blay is done for the year. If that happens to somebody a little more prominent on the Rangers or the Islanders, knock on wood, we hope it doesn't happen, but that changes the whole dynamic of the question. If the Islanders go on one of their ridiculous point streaks and the Rangers go on a five, six game lull, you're talking about the teams now being tied in the standings. That changes the question. If the Islanders continue to struggle and the Rangers continue to surge, now you're talking about what is, I think the Rangers have 23 points. The Islanders have 12. So if that gap stays the same at the 25 game mark, that's, that's a, that's a, becomes an actual gap now in the standings. So there's so many things that are just, it's way too early to answer that question. I do think both teams sneak in though. Oh yeah. I mean, if Islander fans right now could look into the future and see if the Islanders sneak in after the start, even again, it wasn't that bad of a start given the circumstances. It just looks a lot uglier than it was given like the way they played in certain games. But I mean, if you look down the line, the Islanders find a way to make the playoffs this year. No one's going to care what happened on this road trip. Cause it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. It's 13 games. If it was like a 30 game road trip and the Islanders came back home after 30 games and were terrible. Yeah. That's almost half the season gone and they effed up. 13 games. I don't even know. Brendan, what's the percentage of that? Doesn't even sound of like a good what? number. How many games in the season? Yeah. I... Ugh, it's got to be what, 16%. Whatever it is. Hold uh, on. It's, it's if almost... I just nailed that on the head. 16%. What are we? 13 divided by. God, I failed algebra. So hold on. 13 divided by 82. 15.8. What did you say? 16? 16. 16. We're rounding uh, up on the back check. We 16%, are rounding up. You know what's crazy about 16%? Pretty sure that's higher than the Islanders' power play right now. Oof. I think they're at 14-something. Um, the Rangers showed a stat on MSG today that the uh, Canadians have the most power plays in the league and only eight power play goals, which is like towards the bottom. So it could always be worse. Okay, the grass is always greener. Unless you don't water your lawn. Well, unless you live in Brooklyn, we don't have lawns. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at BackCheckPod. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with Alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. So, here you are, right now, wanting more. If it's a more fulfilling career you're after, Marquette University's direct entry MSN program in Milwaukee or Pleasant Prairie can help. Designed for non-nursing college graduates, the program makes it possible to earn a master's in nursing in less than 21 months. So if you're ready to serve the greater good as a Marquette nurse, set your education in motion today. Search Marquette Direct Entry MSN to apply.